And welcome back to Perfectly Imperfect. I am Christine. And I'm Regina. Today we have a guest. I always love episodes <laughs> of guests. Like, and oh. you're and you're singing too. So I feel like that's like a really good <laughs> intro to who we have on today. It's subconscious. Uh, <laughs> just, just having her here. It's like, ah. Uh. So today's episode, I'm really excited to talk about because well, let me first introduce our guest and I have been a huge fan Aww. of our guest for like literally it's been over I think it's over a decade, right? I think yeah. we've known oh each gosh. other. Yeah, I've known her since she was like young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I also was young. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I think everyone calls her basically the world's little sister, but now she's a woman. She's also a leader. She's a boss. She's like doing amazing things, making music that I feel like is changing the way that we talk about things, how we approach ourselves, each other as women and just people. And, you know, her journey in itself, just watching it and then now being able to talk to her about it. It's a very different perspective because you think you know. By watching her, you think you know because she's so talented. That goes without saying. And then you see her succeed and you're like, well, yeah, of course, of course. But then when you get to talk to her as woman to woman and just hearing what she's been through and brave through and all that, there's nothing like it. Mm. You know, so her journey has taught me so much. And I think we're just barely scratching the surface because she's still young. <laughs> yeah, she is. I know. I remember watching her like 10 years ago and being like, wow, this girl's going places. Right? Yeah. Oh, nice. so and then she was like two. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> I know that we've already talked a good like two minutes about her, but let's bring her on. Everyone, let's welcome Megan. Yay. Oh my gosh, I'm not used to hearing such nice things about <laughs> me. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, really, I feel like I'm sure there's a bunch of people that run up to you and are like, oh my God, Megan, we love you so much. I'm like, I'm not very good at taking compliments. And it's just like, I always feel so awkward whenever people talk about me in general, but I really appreciate you guys saying such <laughs> kind words about me because I respect you so much, Christine. And you have always been someone that I looked up to and you're my role model. It's like oh, so nice to meet you, Regina. Yeah, oh, this is your first time meeting. <laughs> it's crazy. I'm just like, there's no, it's always mind blowing to me when people first meet in the community because I'm like, no way, you guys have like, you know, you've you also years. known each other for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, like Regina said, I've been watching you, like mm-hmm. a crazy stalker for, yeah. you know, Aww, basically. You. Yeah. Yeah. So we really want to dive into all of that, like your journey from when you first started and even before then, right? Because obviously we're born into entertainment. Yeah. So I know that, you know, Megan, with having so much of your life be in the spotlight, today we really wanted to talk about social anxiety. I know that this is a topic yeah. that you and Christine have discussed a lot mm-hmm. um, or just like anxiety in general, I think we all have this feeling sometimes where like, oh, I'm not doing enough. And then when you're doing it, you're like, oh my gosh, like all eyes are on me right now. Even with this podcast, sometimes I feel like I stumble up on my words because I'm just overthinking everything. So we really wanted to dive into this topic a little deeper and get kind of hear your experience about it, especially getting into the industry at such a young age. Right. And when we say social anxiety, really, it's not the exact term of what social anxiety actually means. Like it's not the disorder. It's kind of our way of talking about that period of your life that some of us go through where you just feel like there's a change in you. Mm-hmm. Can't quite pinpoint it, but the things and the people that used to drive you or make you excited and look forward to, suddenly just something just shifted. So you don't go out as much. You're not as inclined to like kind of the old patterns and behaviors just no longer resonate with you in the same way. So then you start backing off and kind of spending time on your own, doing your own thing, kind of like that investment period of yourself. Because in this podcast, we talk a lot about self-love and how to do it, right? And now we really want to dive into more of that in depth of what does that look like when it happens? What what happens with your like social circle? What happens with work? What happens with your family and relationships and with yourself within? So yeah, I felt like given your journey and where you are now, what we talked about, it's a good topic to dive into with you. So let's catch up with you. So you have a new album that came out. (laughs) I am. I love it so much. Really? Thank you so much. Yeah. What was the inspiration for that for you? I came up with 
the I am concept for my first album for the longest time. Since I was, I think, turning 19, 20, I knew I wanted to release music that truly represents my current thoughts about life and about myself. Just something that really accurately represents who I am and who I've grown into as a person. Just kind of like a reintroduction album because I've been on the internet for since I can remember. (laughs) And there's a lot of people that grew up with me and I went through so many different phases through my music as a person, of course, because literally growing up. And yeah, just the fact that I grew up in front of people's eyes, I wanted to do like a full album to kind of like reintroduce myself. This is who I am now as a grown up. And uh, yeah, have a different sound, but at the same time, tell stories that really come from my heart. Yeah, I love the name of it as well. I feel like it really encapsulates that rebirth of like, you know, who you are. I feel like a lot of people, as Christine say, look to you as their little sister. But I feel like now, you know, you've grown up and you've had all these experiences that make you who you are. And I feel like that was just such a great way to kind of reintroduce that. Yeah, it's almost like a, a statement of like, I am. You can also take it as an acceptance of yes. I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's a lot of different ways to take it. I'm so glad you guys like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, like, when you first posted about it, like, Worthy really, really spoke out to no. me, you know? And just your lyrics really honed in on that feeling of exactly what we're going to be talking about today, right? Mm-hmm. So then if you can sum up where you are right now, what would that be in like a, well, it doesn't have to be a sentence, but like, you know, <laughs> where mentally are you at right now? Uh, I feel like mentally, I just came out of a, a really long limbo mm-hmm. stage. There just has been a lot of confusion of where I am going. And I know I'm becoming this person, but I've had a hard time accepting it. And I feel like writing music, like releasing my album definitely helped a lot. It was kind of like my journaling. That was like my journaling. Mm. And when I wrote Worthy, that was kind of like a letter to myself when I was going through a really tough time. And it was extremely hard to be positive, but I tried my best because I tried to write that song for somebody else, actually, for another artist, but it didn't go through. I ended up keeping it. And I just thought it would be a really great message for other people to hear whenever they're feeling down. And so, yeah, like currently I feel like my stage, I'm on like part five of growth uh, when it comes to like being in my 20s. I feel like I was going through like an early quarter life crisis kind of thing, dealing with like different relationships in my life and going through different phases, talking to people, learning more about myself and what I can tolerate, what I can't. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's so important to do in your 20s. And this is the time that it really... Like, I feel like in our teenage years and stuff like that, things kind of like glide by and you Mm -hmm. don't really notice. And then in your 20s, you're like, wait, I don't like this or I'm not okay with this anymore. And Uh I feel like your 20s really are that time when things just start making sense. Yeah, it does. I'm still figuring it out for sure. But there have been a lot of moments where I'm just, I'm thinking a lot. I'm constantly thinking about my words and my actions and how they affect others and how others affect me. Mm. And I realize how I'm always trying to make sense of everything so that it can give me peace mm. instead of just like, oh, someone said this about me. I feel so horrible. Mm. But I've been doing a lot of thinking like, oh, maybe because this and this and this happened that made this person want to say this kind of thing to me. So there's just like a lot of... Thinking. Yeah, self-reflection for sure. (laughs) Totally. Like that, I feel like it's the open space for self-awareness to develop. We had talked about quarter-life crisis in a previous episode, actually Mm -hmm. with Jen Lee. I was like, in every episode, it comes up at some point. Yeah, that's the time where things start to really conflict internally and also kind of world colliding of you being brought up as a kid, your teenage years, and now you're entering adult world. And then mentally, you're trying to catch up with what all of this means. Yeah. And that's when your truth starts to like spill out a bit where Mm -hmm. you're like, no, that doesn't sit well with me. In the quarter life crisis, the mentality is like, wait a sec, but why? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that mean? Right? Mm-hmm. A lot of like, what does that mean? It gets really frustrating. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel really upset because it's like they don't have the answers right away. Yeah. And there's no like quick cliff note version of like, mm-hmm. well, if this is conflicting, then this is what this means for you. You know, this mm-hmm. is why you no longer like this person. The work, what you thought was going to be fulfilling is not anymore. But why? So what mm-hmm. do you do now? And so there's a sense of feeling stuck. 
Yeah. And I think for you, when you say like you went through that a little bit earlier, that makes a lot of sense because of your journey and what you've been through. I feel like you had to grow up mm-hmm. really quickly. Yeah. yeah. Let's go through that, mm-hmm. you know? So take us through your past in terms of growing up. You're the oldest daughter out of three kids, right? Mm-hmm. And then you went into entertainment. You started working at an early age. Yeah. How was that for you? So I started acting since I was 10 years old. I begged my mom to take me to auditions. I knew that I just loved Disney films. Mm -hmm. And I realized that it could be a career. And I'm just like, I think that's my calling. That's what I love to do. I love to sing. I love to dance and act and make people happy through performance. And I asked my mom to take me to auditions. I wanted to be an actor or just Mm -hmm. like an entertainer. And she's like, the heck? I don't know anything about (laughs) (laughs) entertainment. How old were you then? I think I was like seven years old. Wow. I think like a kid from like my after school, she was saying like, oh, I'm, I'm auditioning for this like TV show. I'm like, wait, you could do that? And so like I told my mom, like, mom, I want to do what my friend is doing because like that's what I love to do. Like I didn't know that you could like audition like anyone, like my friend is auditioning. Why can't I? And my parents not being involved with entertainment at all. My mom just kind of brushed it off like laughing. You're just a little kid. Just be in school and study and be a good kid. I'm like, no, I don't think my mom actually knows how serious I am about this. So for like three years until I was 10 years old, I kept bugging my mom like every now and then. Eventually, I think I was watching the Oprah show with my mom and Ms. Oprah was like, she was talking about this book about women's health. I found it so intriguing of how media affects the public. Right. And I realized like, oh, wow, media has so much power. People should be using this for good. Mm. And I just had this like epiphany thinking like, wow, like if I become an entertainer, like I could be someone really good and impact people's lives in a really positive way. And I you told my this mom. You had this thought at 10? Oh, my, <laughs> oh my gosh. gosh. <laughs> I just like, I was like watching Oprah Winfrey and she's See, like one Oprah, of the most influential <laughs> one of the most influential people in the world and I just thought that was so amazing so yeah I told my mom and she was kind of really shocked I guess just to hear that kind of uh thought from a 10 year old yeah Yeah, (laughs) for sure (laughs) I was just really intrigued so yeah I told my mom like mom I really want to be an entertainer I want to I want to do something good in the world and while at the same time doing what I love so you had the talent you had the passion. No. <laughs> yes. That voice that you have, like, mm-hmm. was that something that you had even back then? I Yeah. There was always, like, a little fire inside of me. That's for sure. I know that I'm a very passionate person. And once I believe in something, I always stick through it. Mm. And so, yeah, I told my mom that I wanted to be an entertainer. She finally realized how serious I was. Yeah. We literally Google searched (laughs) LA talent agencies. We sent in my school photo to like multiple different talent agencies for young child actors. A few of them got back to me and that's how I got my first agent. And I've been going out for like commercials and short films and kind of building my resume through that. When I was 15, things started to get different because I'm growing up, you know, in my teens and becoming a very different person. But I know that growing up, I was always very spunky. I knew that I was different for sure out of all the kids. I I did grow up going to school up until uh, middle school. Mm -hmm. And I was always very different, but I was very confident in myself. And honestly, at this point, I'm very different now than I was when I was 15 years old. I was way more confident, way more carefree. I wore freaking knee-high socks that were rainbow. (laughs) Yeah. I think I saw photos. (laughs) Yes. I had like braces and lots of acne, but I did not care at Mm. all. Like I may have, might've felt like, you know, insecure about like my acne and things like that here and there, but I never let it get to me. Yeah. Like how it would probably affect me now. Mm. I, even with like haters, I know that I started posting videos on YouTube around 13 years old and I dealt with haters really well, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. I don't remember ever crying over like a, a hate comment or things like that. And mm-hmm. I think that's because I had really good family support. My mom has always been there for me and she definitely kept me grounded. So the foundation for you in terms of the self-confidence, you really believe that. I really believe that. Yeah. 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 And I think that's where like 
there are triggers for certain people and there's triggers for other people, yeah. right? And that stuff just didn't trigger you because that's not an insecurity. Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot of sense. And that's actually, well, you know, your mom is amazing. I've met, I know your mom and your mom like raising you, you. and how the, the you woman too. you are. Yeah. But at that age, especially your teenage years as, as a teenage girl is so fragile. It so is. to hear that is that's to, awesome. Yeah. To think yeah. back yeah. at like, you know, teenage Megan. <laughs> I wish this might be a little bit sad, but it didn't stay like that for sure. <laughs> it, it happens. We were just talking about this yesterday, Regina yeah. and I, where, you know, so much of our lives before you go into kind of this like, not ignorance, but just kind of this blissful ignorance, I yeah. guess, right? Mm-hmm. And when you get into adulthood, you start realizing intaking a lot of things that you never thought before. Yeah. And it really impacts you in ways that you just weren't, aware. Just weren't aware. And yeah. I think it is taking in like, different perspectives and honestly we're talking like a lot of the politics and social aspects yes and from your teenage years to now a lot of development has happened on social media mm-hmm. right? so i can see how that can probably play into your development i totally so, agree so take us through when you were 15 year old megan till now that period mm-hmm. of time because that's a huge chunk <laughs> of your life and yes. a lot of stuff happened then yes yeah. I got signed to a label around 16 years old. I moved to Korea when I was 15 to participate in this like singing competition show called NBC Star Edition. Mm-hmm. And it was on this Korean broadcasting company called NBC. I remember initially just being really excited to like live in another country. Around that time, I was going through a lot of like family struggles because both my mom and dad were not really in ever really in a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. And so practically at that time, they did get separated. My dad stayed back. My mom and my brother and sister came with me to support me. And honestly, if it wasn't for them, I don't know how I would have survived. Well, you were 16 um, too. Yeah, I was so young. Yeah. And knowing how like blissfully ignorant yeah. I was, yeah. not having them would have been like a huge like smack in the face of right. how brutal the world is coming in at a very young age. So impressionable, so like pure and innocent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the thing where we're talking, sorry, I'm like going on to a tangent. When we talk about like teenage girls and how impressionable that young age is yeah. and the power dynamics that were, if we're talking about Me Too and all those things, yes. right? A lot of times you have to put yourself back into that young girl self to really accept and understand how impressionable and, and like yeah. easily moldable that is. Mm-hmm. And that whatever happens then can really change the course of how you grow up into yeah, woman adulthood, right? yeah. everything. Yeah, it's a domino effect for sure. So yeah, when I got signed to a Korean music label, record label, that's when things became very different. From when I moved to Korea, I noticed a lot how much criticism I was receiving Mm. from the public and also just the people around me. I don't know if it's the Korean culture naturally to be very judgmental and overcritical, in a way arrogant to anyone who they think is below them just because of the age mm-hmm. also feminine rights over there are kind of non-existent uh, yeah they're still fighting for basic basic like now, yeah now. right yeah mm-hmm. it's pretty bad and those are things that i never really realized or i thought it was a given at first everybody should be equal we should all be treated equally but i learned that like oh it's not like that in the world mm-hmm. that's when i learned what are things that happened then specifically that made you realize that from little things like when I was participating in the singing competition show, I noticed how some of the crew and like producers on the show were favoring more of the men than they were to the women, mm-hmm. especially because I was Korean American and I didn't speak Korean well at all. Yeah. They already had this like huge judgment and criticism on me, kind of looked down on me a lot. And the fact that I was a girl, mm. a young girl, didn't really do well for me. Did they speak to you differently? They did. They always spoke to me differently with a different attitude. I feel like I never got the respect that I deserved. Mm. Um, well, that I thought I deserved, at least. But it didn't really let it get to me. It, like It frustrated me, but it didn't hurt me for who I was mm. and who I am. But when I got signed to the label... Yeah. And I was constantly told I was too fat. I wasn't pretty enough. And I went to like plastic surgery consultations. And that's when I started to realize like, wow, I'm 
really not good enough. And when you're constantly criticized by people and I found myself naturally going into this, like I'm lower than everybody else kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not able to have a voice. At that time, I wasn't sure if it was necessarily because I was a girl, but I just knew that like, oh, I don't have any right to speak of my opinions. I didn't get to choose my song when others could. Um. I like for those singing competition shows, I couldn't choose any of my songs and wow. all the men did. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. It was like, it was so weird. Like there was all these like little things. But those little things add up. Yeah. They do. And uh, now like actually talking about it, I'm like, oh, wait, wow. I'm kind of like having more of a realization. When I got signed to the label, that's when it, it really impacted me the most because I just felt things I never thought I would ever feel. Mm-hmm. And your decisions uh, weren't yours to make anymore. No, it wasn't. And in a way, I kind of let that happen to me mm-hmm. because I put myself lower than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like if they yell at me, I know that I would like deserve it and I have to go through that in order to get what I want. I just found myself always feeling threatened by the people around me just because they were older or I felt like they had more power than me, like within my label or anything like that. And it was like that for all throughout my teenage years, mm. from 15 to 19 years old. The hardest thing was me not ever feeling good enough mm. and to always have this crave of wanting respect and I guess the approval of others. And that was like the hardest thing to go through at a very young age, especially with like the harsh world of within K-pop yeah. in general. And that's something that it really woke me. And I feel like it definitely has a huge effect on who I am today. And mostly the reason why I struggle a lot with self-confidence. I mean, it makes so much sense. Because I think like an adorable teenagers, not signing with the label, not being told like to your face, oh, plastic surgery. And then like even your work. Because before music and your career was how you express yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. And given what you said about at a young age, even before you got into entertainment, you saw it as a place where you can make a positive impact. You can mm-hmm. spread a little bit more of that positivity using entertainment, yes. right? Suddenly, as you entered with this mindset into a really harsh reality, you're being told the exact opposite. Actually, you're yes. being proven the exact opposite mm-hmm. where entertainment was going to use you for what they want. Yeah. And, and to be told that to your face as a teenager, I mean, like, I feel like, you know, hearing it, from friends or peers is already hard enough to have that be the reason why you're not chosen for something or something like that. Like that is an immense amount of pressure. Yeah. 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 And that it makes so much sense because you already at that age knew that your work in music and in entertainment was your passion. It was already mixed. So your identity Mm -hmm. was mixed with what you were already doing. Yes. And I think that's something where a lot of us don't learn until we get into the real world. We may have this idea of like, yeah, I want to do what I love, but not really understanding what that was. Mm -hmm. But you had that early on. And then when you brought that to Korea, then the quote unquote real world of entertainment and what it has been used for Mm -hmm. really got pushed into your face of like it was a really stark reality you know you you talked about them having like plastic surgery consultation being told you know you're not good enough how did you hold yourself up like how did you not get plastic surgery how did you survive that so my label just didn't even though I got the consultation and I felt horrible I remember crying so long yeah. after that because I just felt so ugly and it never felt that way like I went from like wearing knee high socks and having acne and having braces and still not caring about what people say about me yeah. to like feeling so horrible and so ugly and in the end, my label just let me go all natural because they couldn't afford it because it was just like a lot. And they also didn't want any like taboos and like the media saying like, oh, she got her face done. Things like that. They wanted to avoid those kinds of media speculation speculation, and all that stuff. So yeah. I ended up not getting plastic surgery, thank God, because it would have been painful. Do you think that you would have? I probably would. It would not have been up to me. It's, really? Yeah. It's wow. all under the label, like under my contract and things like that. And so it's they can just be like, no, you, you have to do it. If yeah. you want to stay signed, you have to do it. Really? They were wow. like, my consultation was like, it was so crazy. Like they were thinking of cutting my jaw to make <gasps> it like 
sharper jawline yeah. and things like that and like bigger eyes and like a smaller nose and like all of that like my entire face they were drawing like dotted lines and like cuts and all wow. that stuff on this like diagram of a face it just sounds like they're like everything that you are right now we're gonna change all of that yeah, yeah. that's when I realized wow how cutthroat it is to be an entertainer in Korea things I never thought about before I'm sure it happens a lot in the states as well but Wow. It's a lot more severe in Asia in general. And it's also something that it doesn't seem to be questioned as much. Even, it's so normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Here in America, we still point it out. You know, we're like, oh, mm-hmm. I think she got a nose job. I but think everyone's like, really hush-hush about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. feel like it's... I I do think it's like a Western idealized like version of beauty. Like everybody wants the big eyes and the cheekbones, the jawline, mm-hmm. but that's just not how we're genetically made, you yeah. know? And so I feel like a lot of Asian girls feel this like extra pressure because like all we do are look at these supermodels who do have everything that we're told is, you know, beautiful. Exactly. And then everything that we have, the round noses, the flat noses, like all of no that. Nose bridge. No yeah. nose bridge. Mm-hmm. Like that's considered like not beautiful. Yeah. And, and the people that we look up to now that are Asian, mm-hmm. that are quote unquote beautiful, they have westernized features have, now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So then they're not even real no, all the people yeah. who are it's like praised for being asian and beautiful are usually like half yes and so or they've got like a little work done yeah, or something like yeah. so people that we're supposed to look like or supposed to look like us don't even look like us mm-hmm. no yeah so then you internalized a lot of those insecurities yes and it was so bad and it also transferred over to my singing abilities and my performance as well Mm. because I was always told to sing a certain way that I loved soulful music I still do that's my passion I love Stevie Wonder like all of the Motown eras I really looked up to a lot of like diva idols like Christina Aguilera and Mariah Carey Beyonce Whitney Houston Whitney yeah, yeah I loved all of them and I loved singing all of their songs and I just I wanted to be like a small Korean girl diva yeah <laughs> I really wanted to I just thought it was the world so needs cool. that yeah. yes. and yeah I thought like Sharice can do it maybe I can yeah, yeah. and so that's what I wanted to do and that's what I thought I was gonna do when I go to Korea but they told me that that's not who I am they literally told me nope that's not the kind of music you're doing you're small so you should be sweet you should sing like this and one day like just like very soft and sweet and pretty that's who you're gonna be delicate very delicate and i mean i love pop music that's the kind of music i'm doing now but uh it's just like changing my voice and even changing the way I'm talking and acting, I became way more reserved. But even though I know I naturally I have a pretty like loud personality and loud voice, but living in Korea made me feel a lot smaller and I retained myself a lot. And I completely felt like I changed as a person overall mm. um, for the sake of the image I was being molded into. Were these people that were telling you that your record labels, were they men or women? Mostly men. All the top, I guess, the people with power were all men. Wow. Mm-hmm. It must have been a really eye-opener, especially now, still in entertainment, yeah. to see, like, a lot of women and roles, whether it's being an actor or being a singer, mm-hmm. being dictated by what men yeah. think you should be. It's also right? crazy yeah. to think that these – I'm imagining these guys probably, they're, like, middle-aged men, too. Mm-hmm. Like, telling these, like, teenage girls, like, what they should and shouldn't do and who they should be and how they should dress. Yeah. And knowing what you said about how entertainment does affect that impact, right? Oh, totally. So that image of what they're shaping and molding you to be, mm-hmm. knowing that millions of little girls – and women are watching and subconsciously internalizing that's who they should be fragile sweet and delicate Mm -hmm. yeah that's why like all of the k-pop idols and stars that i was listening to to get myself familiar and in the know about just the k-pop industry because i was working in it i found myself comparing and trying to be like them a lot I was trying to learn to do my makeup like these girls, trying to alter what my face actually looks like in order to look like these girls. Because I was told that's what's beautiful. That's what makes it. 
That's what makes a lot of money. Yeah. That's what's successful. That's what keeps you signed. That's what keeps you working. And that if you're going to try to keep your ultimate goal of trying to leave a positive impact by doing this as a career, this is what you have to do now. Yeah. I just need like, no matter what, that's just what I had to do. And it kind of swallowed everything and just basically just went with the flow. I was manipulated in all these different ways. And then at one point I got really, really sick and I lost my voice And I basically forgot how to sing and I developed a vocal condition called MTD, muscle tension dysphonia. Oh, and it's a dysphonia is basically where you lose control over your vocal cords. I felt like an athlete that broke a foot and I forgot how to run. I can't run as fast. What was really natural to you before now it's like relearning. Mm -hmm. Especially because I was just so confused about my identity. And on top of that, my identity with like my singing and my music and my style. Mm -hmm. And that heavily affected my voice. And I just kind of forgot how to sing for a while. And that's when I debuted. Um, Wow. Oh my gosh. It was like horrible timing. I recorded the song Eight Days at least five times in the studio, like re-recording it from start to finish. And a session would always take like, for me at that time, like five to six hours. Wow. And so I just remember so many late nights of just like, I'm pretty sure like the first few takes, they were not that bad now that I'm thinking about it. But it was just, it wasn't up to their standards, Mm. which is fine. Like, I mean, I was a developing artist and I know that I'm not, I was never a perfect singer. But just the fact that I just was so uncomfortable with like changing the style of my voice in general, just like the tone of my voice, it was so unnatural for me. And I confused myself with my vocal technique and developed that condition. And I still am affected by that today. Mm. And it's actually because of that experience, I now have completely different feelings and thoughts about singing in general, Mm. something that... I used to love doing and I was enjoying all my life. And now because of that condition that I've been suffering from, I've been having different thoughts about singing nowadays. It was kind of like an on and off thing. It's a condition that can never really be cured. It's more just like through treatment. It's kind of like a mental impact. If you take care of your mental health or like have less anxieties and stress, then that also affects the condition as well so yeah it's it was crazy (laughs) it's a lot yeah to bring you back to like this current point now Mm -hmm. and how obviously that journey was I think it's intense for anybody yeah so now what about that experience has really I know you touched upon a little bit about it but like how has that shaped you to where you currently are and what you're going through now Going through so many different phases with like my mental health and my identity, I realized the importance of family and self-care because of the fact that my confidence was completely shut down living in Korea during my teenage years, something that I never thought I would ever lose. I did lose completely. It's a lot better now for sure, but I'm still rebuilding it. How that affected me today, I think it definitely helped me to become even more empathetic of a person. I've become way more thick-skinned. also learned the importance of the people that I surround myself with because I realized how influenced I get by people around me. That's because I just truly care about people in general. Yeah. And I learned that I need people to uplift me, to surround me. If I am constantly around people who criticize me, I know that I just naturally don't do well, even, no matter how thick of a skin I build. Totally. There are times, of course, where I will be in working situations where it's inevitable and I will always bump into, you know, bad apples here and there. And I have enough thick skin to go through that. But in my personal life, I realized the importance of keeping positively influential people around me. There's a lot of things. So after going through all of that internally, my label also was doing a lot of things that were bad. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't want to go too into detail, but in the end, it resulted in me in having to or wanting to leave the label. And the only way to do that was through a lawsuit. That was probably one of the toughest moments of my life, like for my mom, especially because mm. you literally had to fight for your freedom. You had to yeah. fight for your freedom yeah. and for the sake of my mental health, because I was so close to wanting to go. I was 
definitely suicidal. And I lost all hope in just like life in general. Because I remember having a conversation with my mom. I called my mom during practice and I was telling her, why, why the heck am I in Korea? This is not what I came here to do. I wanted to just make music and make people happy. This, I thought coming here, I would fulfill my dream. But why am I letting these people step all over me? And the worst thing is that I'm letting them do that. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't live like this anymore. I literally just want to jump off from this building and want to end everything right now. It's not worth it. If I have to keep going through this, I don't want to live anymore. This is not the life I want to live. I remember just having that conversation with my mom. I was just like in tears every single day for like two years straight and came to a point where the only way out after negotiations, talking with my label of wanting to leave and paying that back debt and things like that. The way out was through a lawsuit. And thankfully, after seven months or so, we did win mm-hmm. because we had all the evidence of things that my label did um, that weren't necessarily for the law. And I was able to leave. Through that, I actually, during that whole process, like right before I filed the lawsuit, I actually got casted for Make It Pop, the Nickelodeon show yeah. I was casted as a lead as. So, so many things happened. I got casted as a lead. I got flown over to Toronto in rebellion of my label. They didn't want me to go for some weird reason, even though that could have made them money if everything worked out. They could have gotten a huge cut of it, (laughs) but it didn't work out. I ended up filing the lawsuit. I flew over to Toronto to film the show. And then I moved back to LA with my family like a year and a half later. That's when things got really weird because it was slow. I, after going like, Rehearsing. Go, go, go. Yeah, yeah, go, go, go. Rehearsing every day, having little to no sleep for the past like four years, and then doing a show and having all this like exhilaration, just like I'm the lead of a TV show. Like, this is what I wanted. I'm, I'm so happy. This is great. And then silence. I thought I was going to move on to my next project. And like, this is my break. Like, I was a lead of a TV show. Why would I not get casted for something else? Yeah. Nothing happened. And it's been like that for the past like three years. And for the first year, like after I came back to LA, it just took me a long time to process everything with like the lawsuit, the Korea traumas, the traumas with my family. It's like PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that I would get it until a year of silence, like after Uh a year of silence. And I went through a really bad pilot season. And then I had some casting directors who straight up told me I was a horrible actress and it it just shot me down. I got casted for this movie, this animated film with a really big studio and I was a lead of, but then I got recasted after a year later. And there's like all these things that like, just like arrows shot at my chest little by little. And I just felt so small. And as a person that just loves to work and love to do what I do to not feel like I was doing anything fulfilling with my life. It was like probably even worse than everything I've been through in Korea. So now I'm at a point in my life where I've fully processed everything, all of my traumas and admitted to what I was feeling and how my past affects my mental health today yeah. and how I have been feeling for the past three years yeah. in my adulthood. So yeah. That's basically like a summary of my I want to give you a hug right now. Like (laughs) you've been through so much and you came out so resilient. And so like, I don't feel like you're bitter about any of the things that happened to you. Just look at that as like, you know, like that's what I went through, but I'm stronger because of it. And I feel like very little people can do that. Like, wow. I mean, I truly believe that everything happens for a reason. Right. That's definitely what I took from, from those experiences one thing happened after another and it's all for a reason and I know that from every experience good or bad I could learn something from it and I know that it could help me to become a better and stronger person right right and there's something to be said about the intensity Mm -hmm. of the experiences that you went through because not everyone can survive that no and really truly believe at a young age for you to go through that all those the accumulation of your journey thus far means that the bigger evolution for what you're meant to do so (laughs) like what you said about everything happens for a reason and how you know the sequence of what you went through growing up even just having that 
beautiful core goal starting Mm -hmm. from why you went into entertainment to Korea to now where things are slower and starting to question everything. The sequence of that makes a lot of sense in terms of even whatever you want to call it, the universe or God, giving you time to process the PTSD of what had happened Mm -hmm. so that you're in this kind of reflection period of who is Megan? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like, So when you play through everything that you just said, what is it that is your biggest takeaway? Like what was that? What was that reason? Why did it happen? I feel like it was kind of like a preparation for something bigger. In the end, I chose to work in entertainment. And to stay. And to stay. and to stay. That's huge. I think that if I am going to stay, exactly, if I'm going to stay in this industry, I'm going to need a tough skin. And I know that no matter what, it's never going to be easy. And in a way, I find my experiences in the past with Korea and all of that was kind of a blessing in disguise. I got really good at reading people through those experiences when I was going through the lawsuit. It was very controversial because it's all over the media. And it was with, I was fighting with people who were very big influences in and Korea. Very powerful, very yeah. powerful people. I mean, I remember reading about that yeah. here mm-hmm. in America when yeah. you're going through it. Yeah. And there were people that came out of my life and became quiet when I really needed them the most. And this is stuff that I went through like when I was 18, 19. They were picking on a freaking teenager. And like in a way, I'm very thankful and I don't regret anything, even though it was very difficult and thinking about it makes me shake a little bit and feel a little choked up. But I know for sure that having that humbling of a moment, incredibly humbling moment, it's going to help me to be a better artist and I have so much empathy and groundedness in my life that I know for sure this is what's going to set myself up for success. Yeah. yeah. That's my biggest takeaway. I know that like if I went through this like crazy incredible roller coaster, any other struggles that I go through, I know that I can survive and I have to succeed no matter what. I have to just keep going. I still am figuring out what my version of success is. Yeah. But I know for sure I just want to be happy, make others happy, and my family happy, and be able to make a living out of it. And you know that to the core of you, right? That truth is so strong in you that no matter what anybody says, it's like you know that without a doubt. Yeah. And it's because of what you've been through. And it's because you were able to process it. Yes. Because a lot of people can go through that and feel completely jaded Mm -hmm. and be like, F this. The world is unfair. This is exactly why I don't want to try anymore. This is exactly why I won't be successful. But in your reflection, and you're still still doing that. So the reflection still continues, right? And I think that's the part where naively sometimes, and I was like that, where you just feel like, once I get it, I should just get it. Like as an adult, you see other people and you're like, they just seem to get it. Like even if they've been through tough times, it doesn't mean that it's going to be smooth sailing, but it it seems like you have it figured out. (laughs) But then as we're living through it, right? In our 20s and now in my 30s, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's not about figuring it, it, whatever quote unquote Mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. It's taking the bits and pieces of the experiences, whether good or bad or traumatizing. And then that sense of awareness and the questioning that it happens from that, right? Mm -hmm. And then leveling up in your consciousness of what that means to you. Yes. And it sounds like a lot of the self-truth that we keep talking about is grounded in that. That is the birth of where self-truth comes in. Totally. And that evolution, the craftness of what your self-truth the precision of it keeps happening through your evolution yes because of what you realize and what really stands to so through the fire what survives yes and then when you go through the fire and you see it at its like brilliant burning infiniteness of what it is you recognize it for what it because you're like i know that that is what survived that Mm -hmm. is still the core of me what matters and even more so because now you're not the same megan as you were back then Mm -hmm. So now as a grown woman and still developing as like an artist, and your path has always been as an independent artist. I mean, even when you're signed as a label, to yeah. you, like you were still the core of you making your own music. And now that's what you're still doing. I mean, obviously with I Am and your new album. So I feel like a lot of that of what you're saying from, I guess, just watching you from all these years is that your truth and let's say with the I Am album, there's so much depth to it. Thank you. Someone can write the lyrics for you and you can sing it with passion and all that. But if you don't live it, is there something lacking in it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's something lacking. And I think that's what you were talking about, these divas <laughs> that you respect. <laughs> they went through a lot of shit. Yeah. And for them to sing it, 
you believe it. Yes. That's when as someone who is a consumer of that entertainment, you personify. You're like, you're singing my path, my journey mm-hmm. right now. And I think that's something where when you reach that level of diva or legendariness, mm-hmm. I feel, it is because they are their journey. They are yeah. their music. They are their work that they yeah. create. Yeah. So I know we at the beginning we talked about, oh, we're talking yeah. about social anxiety and all that, you know? <laughs> but I feel like through this conversation, what you've shared, that's just a, a little part of your journey of what you've been through. Mm-hmm. So I guess now in your everyday life, how do you find yourself investing in your own self-love and mental health? I'm still exploring for sure. I know that from everything that's happened, in a way, it's kind of like all the reason why I should never give up. Because I know ultimately in the end, I came into this industry, not only because I have a passion for performing, but to be a good influence on others. And knowing how there's not always good people in the world, everything that's happened, like I knew that like, that's the reason why seeing that with my own eyes and going through it, that's the reason why I should try even harder and never give up. And so like right now, I'm still learning to love myself. And I'm still learning how to love myself. Mm -hmm. There are moments where I find myself being really mean to myself. And that's because of what I experienced because I was so used to it. Yeah. You internalize those voices. Yes, I do. And I found myself like even like my friends, my closest friends around me say like, Megan, like, what would you do if I said that to you? I'd be like really sad. And then they're like, why would you say that to yourself? And you would never say that to your friends either. I would never say that to my friends either. But unconsciously, I found myself doing that a lot. Saying things like, oh, what's the point of doing this audition? I'm never going to get it anyway. I've gotten rejected so many times. I'm used to it. I found myself comparing myself to others as well, especially now coming into like being 23. And now all my friends are out of college and like have full-time jobs and thriving and meeting their goals and things like that. And I feel like for me, I'm extremely harsh on myself when it comes to like expectations I have. And in a way, like I realized that kind of like a sense of pride too. At the same time, having like low self-esteem, I had too high expectations and too much pride. Mm -hmm. And it was like a really unhealthy imbalance. Mm -hmm. And I just realized, I, I just had that epiphany like a year ago and I've been struggling to deal with it, but I realized I've learned to let a lot of things go. Mm. Have expectations, but don't beat myself up for it if I don't meet them mm. and try to enjoy the journey more. And I feel like everyone kind of goes through a thing where, because we're so used to and, and cater to focusing on results, it's embedded in school in academics, like if you don't receive a certain kind of grade, then you're not praised, but you're never praised for like the amount of work and effort that you put into something. Right. And so I've learned to, you know, give myself more credit for the amount of effort I'm putting into anything, not, not just within my career, but also just in my daily life and letting myself go on trips and like have a downtime where I'm not doing something productive and like Mm. let myself enjoy times with friends and like dating and things like that and not be so harsh. So that's like my way of like learning to love myself more, like to not be so hard on myself. And also the most important thing is to celebrate all of my little successes. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. I think a lot of us struggle with that, especially since as kids, we just have a very like set path, right? Like yeah. grade after grade, then after you're done with high school, like you mm-hmm. go into college and like everything seems very like just set path. Yeah. But then when you diverge from that or you take your own path, you're like, oh wait, but why is everyone else doing this thing? And yeah. I'm doing something that's so different. It's really hard to recognize your own accomplishments. Like yeah. exactly like what you said, you know, your friends are, done with college and working now and you're like wait but I'm still trying to figure this thing out but that's mm-hmm. okay like you have so many other experience and other accomplishments that make you you and that mm-hmm. have been part of your path to make you who you are mm-hmm. that it's good to recognize that mm-hmm. I love what you said about redefining what success means to you because I think that is the key Megan mm-hmm. like what you just said about the measures of success that the world gives to us is conditioned in it. that's an old pattern and, yeah. and behavior that we all grew up with right yeah. because you know if A plus B equals C. If we do this, we earn that, then we receive respect, accolade, and love, acceptance. And then now with social media, the terms are different. We intake and observe what brings people quote-unquote success. 
and put numbers on it too exactly Mm -hmm. exactly and unconsciously and subconsciously do that Mm -hmm. so that's why it really takes a toll on our insecurities insecurities that we thought we never had yeah and when you see other people receive it you're like oh so that's what we should be doing that that means i've been told when i was at wang fu that you're doing social media wrong you're not using Instagram in the right way, mm-hmm. you know? And it's true. If you're looking for, quote unquote, an outcome, mm-hmm. a successful outcome of getting sponsors, getting more followers, getting likes, then there's a certain idea of what you should and shouldn't be doing. There's oh, strategies, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And like a formula that you're supposed to follow yeah. in order to gain success exactly. and likes right. and likability. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But really, ultimately, when you dig in deeper, what is that? We're looking for acceptance and love. Yeah. I think that's the thing that we're unconsciously taking in because our inner child self, that's what we've thought about success. Yeah. And we find happiness through that. We're conditioned to. Whoever you're pleasing at the time, right? Mm -hmm. Pleasing your parents, pleasing your teacher, pleasing your peers. So now as a grown adult, these questions come about because now it's time to redefine what success means to you. And then when you say not being tied to the outcome, which is the formula. So let's say you follow the formula and you don't get that success. Then you start questioning, is it me? Is it me? Oh, you know, right? Mm -hmm. And then, then you start changing all the little things that you think you should be doing based off of what other people have done that Mm -hmm. has been successful. Mm -hmm. But when you can redefine what success means to you, then that helps in detaching yourself to the outcome. Totally. So if you don't get the success that other people get, when you are grounded in your own definition of what success means, then none of that matters. But it all takes practice, right? It's so So, hard. Yeah, so if your success to you, success means being able to connect to someone who hears your music and they can feel empowered and better about themselves or feeling like success is you being able to express yourself without doubting what you're saying, Mm -hmm. being able to use your vocal cords, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to have this opportunity to pursue this path of creativity, to use yourself as a tool to spread positivity. It doesn't matter what the outcome is, right? It doesn't matter if you book that audition, if we gain more followers on Instagram. Like, it doesn't matter because we know at the end of the day, if our definition of success to us is achieved, then that's what we're grounded in. And that's Mm -hmm. what your self-truth is. Yes, And that's the core that will drive you in whatever you do, whether you stay in entertainment or you decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to be a motivational speaker. I'm going to like you know, go into tech. I'm going to be a businesswoman. It doesn't matter because the core of you still remains true. And I think that's why we go through so many evolutions as a human being, because that will keep changing. As the world keeps changing, we will change with it. Mm -hmm. I think what your path to me just is such a proven point to that. It really is such a beautiful example. Because if you bring up Oprah, right, that woman was raped. You know, she was told her entire life that she's too ugly, she's too fat, Mm -hmm. she's too black. Mm -hmm. You know, she doesn't fit the criteria and what a journalist at the time or someone who's on television should be. Mm -hmm. And she defied all of that not to say that she didn't internalize all that too she absolutely if you read her books like she was in a lot of crappy relationships with men and she questioned herself constantly when she was on her show like developing her show even though she, from the outside it looked like she was a success right and even now you look at all she's done you're like dang oprah with that money you know but she yeah. had to fight for that yeah but every single one of those times and opportunities that came or challenges was a time for her to define what was true to her. Right? Mm-hmm. So whatever she did only had more power because she was only more convicted in knowing what mattered. Yeah, her core. It's a journey. In order to it get is. through Oprah status, to get to diva status, I really do believe you have to go through really, really yes. tough times. Yeah. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it only helps craft you into you know, the person that you already are, but uh, even more, like, I just always compare evolutions to Pokemon, you know, like, <laughs> like Charmander is amazing and cute, but then like Charizard, you cannot yeah. be Charizard, you know what I mean? Unless it's you fight like, through the battles, you get, yeah. you faint, you gotta like keep building up that HP. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I know I kind of went on a spiel there, but Regina, did you have any takeaways from just the conversation that we had with Megan or just even yourself? Yeah. I mean, I definitely relate to you on a lot of the kind of self-understanding that it takes, like the teenage years into the early 20s. -hmm. And I kind of related to you a lot because I was in New York for about four and a half years and I was in that go, go, go lifestyle. And I was getting the jobs and the salary and Mm -hmm. everything that I told myself that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And then I got it. And then I came back to LA and I was like, wait a minute. 
Like (laughs) things aren't really panning out the way that I thought it would. And I found myself like closing myself off Mm -hmm. to even like some of my closest friends are not wanting to bring up certain topics because it just, it hurt. And Mm -hmm. I went through a lot of self-reflection of like, what do I really want? Like everybody told me this is what I wanted. And I strayed from that and I kind of created my own ideal, but I still didn't know what that was. It just feels like something's missing, right? Like there's like a big piece that you're still trying to figure out that really speaks to you when the world is telling you like, no, no, this is what you should. And you try different things and that still didn't really resonate. Mm -hmm. Like right now it's like, what is it then? Yeah. And I think that that feeling, that gnawing feeling just got stronger and stronger. And so I told totally relate to you saying that. And I think that, you know, it comes in waves of feeling more confident and being like, oh yeah, you know, I released an album. I'm so confident in all these things. And then also going back to like, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my mm-hmm. life? Like, I think that it's, it's a very fine line between, yeah. between the two. And you're 28. Mm-hmm. I'm turning 35 in like a week, yeah. you know, <sighs> and you know, Megan, you're in your early twenties or you said 23, right? Mm-hmm. So it, To me, it's like there's no set age Mm -hmm. that, you know, you can go through this. Like my mom is going through this and she's in her like mid-60s, you know? My mom too. Right? Yeah. So to not be discouraged, I think a lot of people out there, like men or women, Mm -hmm. you know, feel like, dang, I'm like 25 and I feel so behind, you know? I'm 16 and I feel like I still don't get it. Mm -hmm. Or I'm 50 and what am I doing with my life? Mm -hmm. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. Because Mm -hmm. when you're asking those questions and feeling that type of conflict, what I've learned is like, and I what I tell my friends and my clients is that you're at the cusp of an evolution. If you, it's an opportunity. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If you see it that way and you really hone in on the self-love, the self-reflection, what does this mean? If you find yourself being bogged down by like, I should, I should, I should. Why is it? Why is it? Why? It's, it's not fair. It's not fair. Then take a step back and really maybe try this other take of like, well, what is this telling me? What is the opportunity? And creating that shift in mentality can really help you take this really difficult time and make it into something that blossoms for you. Totally. And the very thing that you're seeking right now or the very thing that you're questioning. The crazy thing is like, that's the universe trying to give you the answer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it takes work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like your willingness to accept it. Yeah. Because if it comes at the wrong time, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, this isn't for me. But yeah. if it comes at the right time and you have that self-awareness and self-reflection, mm-hmm. then you will welcome it with open arms. Yeah. Exactly. Creating that open space so that you can hear it mm-hmm. and you can hear yourself through it yeah. versus the noise, right? Giving into the noise of what the world has told you, like, this is crap. This is bullshit. Mm-hmm. You're not enough. Like, that's just noise. So you'll never hear it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that question, that nudging, that gnawing feeling that Regina's talking about, it will always be there in the background. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when you try to stuff it. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why I started Twitch. When I was feeling really stuck and things got so quiet, I was just so over, I guess, kind of in a way, doing nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. falling into that same routine, doing covers on YouTube when I was honestly not really having a lot of fun with that anymore. Mm-hmm. And constantly going out for auditions, but getting rejected and figuring out what else do I want to do with my life. That's when I realized it's an opportunity to try something new. And I knew that I wanted to make new content, but it wasn't working on YouTube because, I mean, for the more technical side of it or business side of it, whenever you try to, you know, for one thing on YouTube, it's really hard to change that brand and kind of content on a channel. Isn't it crazy? Like it's so, it, it is pretty rigid. I've it's noticed so that like a lot of like YouTubers get a lot of hate for it too. Yeah, when they, they try do. something new or mm-hmm. if they are like trying to change their brand, they're all the fans are like, you've changed. <laughs> yeah, they're like, what is this? Yeah, they get really riled up about they it. They get like upset. It's almost like their identity as a fan is invested in who uh-huh. they like think they know you as. Yeah. You're not allowed to grow. Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> Must you're not stay allowed the same. to. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, and so, like, that's something that I was dealing with. I wanted to do more, like, gaming content because I just, I love to play video games. And that was, like, my hobby to really stress. That gave me a lot of comfort in my life. If it wasn't for video games, I don't know what else I would be doing with my free time. Yeah, I decided to do Twitch because I thought if it's not going to work on YouTube, I'm going to might as well have to try a new platform. But that wasn't easy either because it's a new platform. It's, like, a, a new world. I definitely felt like the new kid coming from YouTube and it's like a different community, a different vibe, different people on the platform. And it was really hard to transition 
to this platform because the audience is so different. And so I couldn't like transfer my YouTube audience, my Instagram audience over. So I basically had to like start from scratch. But honestly, I was like really lucky. I was in a very lucky situation where I actually got to meet a new friend by starting to make an account on this platform. Mm. Uh, A friend, her name is Leslie. She has been a Twitch streamer for four years. And she reached out to me on Instagram after learning that I was going to start streaming on Twitch. She was like, hey, Megan, like I watched your videos before in the past. I'm a fan. I heard you're going to start streaming. I would love to give you advice. And, And through meeting her, like meeting a new friend and also in a way kind of like a mentor, I was able to find this new world and have less of a burden being the new kid and on the block. And so that never would have happened. And that honestly helped me grow within the past six, seven months. I felt so much comfort finding this new community on Twitch and doing things that I love to do. And like, because I was mentioning how I'm struggling with my voice, even though I released an album and things like that, I'm still struggling singing live with like my own Mm self-confidence on Twitch. I don't have to feel as bad because I'm doing other mm-hmm. kinds of content. I'm talking to my fans. Like I get to literally talk about these kinds of things mm-hmm. yeah. and I get instant feedback and they're like, yeah, I totally agree. Like yeah. mm-hmm. they tell me their stories as well. And there's like a deeper, closer connection with exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And this all wouldn't have happened if I didn't go through the struggle, realize I need to make a change, try something completely new and a bit scary and kind of go for it. Like, take a risk. Yeah. 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 And I think that's it. Like, that's one of the things through self-reflection and kind of being put into, backed into a corner almost, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. you feel like you don't have any options. You feel like you've tried everything Mm -hmm. and it's still not working out. There's always a way. Yeah. Yeah. But from that space, right, you start to see things that you never would have seen otherwise. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the only way that the universe is like, try this. Like, Twitch may not be it forever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But it's a way for you to continue the flow of the creativity for you and what speaks mm-hmm. to you. Yeah. And it sounds like connecting with people on a more intimate level by being yourself and finding that quirky Megan of not just who you were as a kid, that quirky same Megan, mm-hmm. but who you've evolved into and tapping into that yeah. and having fun with it. You yeah. Know? yeah. And I think that really is the beauty in kind of when, when you are in that space where you feel like there's nothing else, I'm going to do it. And sometimes that's the courage that's necessary for you to do, just take that leap and just try it. Yeah. You know? I feel like that's what this podcast has been for us. Like mm-hmm. we were watching all of our friends create specific kinds of content and we were like, oh, I don't really fit in. And this was like our safe space to yeah. have these because like this is like what we wanted to do, but we didn't know how. And so that's really amazing that you have found kind of like your little niche. And it, it was like birthed out of the fact that like it was something that you like to do like mm-hmm. I think that that's when it's the best when it just everything is aligned right mm-hmm. like kind of what you were saying about like singing like yeah it's fun and you still enjoy it but you're like oh I've shifted I've grown and also that it's okay to be multifaceted human beings yes mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly <laughs> we are complex and I think there is something to be said about this narrative especially as like women that you can be one type of mm-hmm. woman and that's yeah. it. oh no you're done yeah. <laughs> especially as an Asian woman too yes there's that stereotype that exists yes you know and you don't have to apologize or explain it to anybody you don't have to follow what everybody else is doing just because other women found success in that area doesn't mean that that's the only way that you can do it try something else you might be the person that paves the way for that new path it's a tougher path when you're the person that is a pioneer in that yeah but nowadays i think that the world is waiting for the pioneers It's your oyster. Yes. Mm -hmm. So championing all the people out there that feel stuck. You're not alone. You're not. Definitely not. And thank you so much, Megan, for like being so open and brave and courageous to get to where you are now. Thank you for so much for making me feel comfortable and and sharing your thoughts and your stories as well. And you're right. This is definitely a safe space. And I feel so... I don't know, inspired and excited. Like I haven't talked about this story in a while. And so, yeah, talking about it kind of like, it's a really good reminder of what you've been through. Of what I've been through. And 
how I could use that in a way as my power and my advantage and not something that's going to hold me back. Totally. And really how far you've come. Just like you said, it's like celebrating the little wins when you really look at how far, even a year ago, Mm -hmm. it may not feel like it in the everyday today. But then when you take the time to be like, dang, even six months ago, I was hoping or wanting to be at a certain place. But it's like you've come really far. We all have come really far. I think it's like a good foreshadow of what you will go through in the future. Like how far you've come and you'll keep going further. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because you survived that and you've taken and you learned from that. You've grown from that. Mm -hmm. Whatever else comes your way, you can also survive that and conquer it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where can people find you, Megan? You can follow me at Hello Megan Lee on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, all of that stuff. I do stream live on Twitch from Sundays to Thursdays at 6 p.m. I do lots of random things. I love talking about random stories and life. I love having like deep conversations and things that really truly matter and talking about stories, hearing my chat out. So definitely come by. Yeah, Yeah. you spread that positively on the daily, you know? Yeah. And like, it's just so nice and fun and comforting just to hang out with you. Oh, me too. All the time. It's never a bad time with you. Seriously. Yeah. So if you want to hang out with Megan, just go watch her on Twitch. (laughs) We we should do we should do a stream together we should do like a perfectly imperfect kind of like podcast on stream yeah your setup is amazing (laughs) (laughs) it's legit yeah pink heaven it's so pink and purple my gosh (laughs) and i want to meet happy in person oh she's crazy (laughs) i'll bring coco and they can both be awkward together i just it ends of the room (laughs) i want to see i want to see that interaction so bad (laughs) because coco's been walking around in uh, she's actually been okay yeah. during this recording. This is the first time that she's been allowed to be in a recording of ours. Wow. So She probably knows, like, this doesn't happen often, so yeah. I must be good. Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll be sure to list all of Megan's information down in the description box below. And if you guys really resonated with this message and Megan's story, pass it along to your yeah. friends. I think that yeah. that's what the beauty of this podcast is, is that passing along the message, making other people feel heard and understood, you are most definitely not alone. And thank you so much, Megan, for being here. I feel so inspired by your drive and passion. Yes. You're truly, truly a remarkable human being. And we're so, so happy too. that you, you did this podcast with us. Yeah. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I oh, love you so much. <laughs> All too. right. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.